What do frogs eat for breakfast? Flied eggs. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 199. That's right, 199. Uh, my name is Brian Perlum and I'm one of your hosts this evening and I am joined by Jess Dunks. Hello, this is Jess. And Brogan King. Greetings. And we are going to be <laughs> continuing our two-part series on continuous effects, also known as layers. Yo. Um, so, uh, what? <laughs> uh, Brian, I'm going to, I, I feel like you need to have your yo privileges revoked. <laughs> But no we'll see. We'll see if you can <laughs> if you can manage to figure out how to use yo in a way how to that use yo properly. Yes. Okay. We'll we'll find that out. So, uh, in in episode one ninety seven, so that's two episodes ago, we discussed the the various types of continuous effects, what they are, um, and in this episode, we're going to start uh, showing you or telling you. Uh, how to combine them and how they apply when you have multiple continuous effects uh, together. So um, in in episode 197, so we talked about what the continuous effects are. Uh, the briefly, uh, what are what are kind of are the, the the general layers of the continuous effects? They are uh, copy effects, pretty self-explanatory control effects. Again, self-explanatory. Uh Text changing effects, but those are a little less simple. But hey, go listen to the last episode if you're curious. Uh, type changing, color, uh, abilities, and then power and toughness and the relevant sublayers. So starting with the characteristic defining abilities, power and toughness setting, uh, any ad additional modifications, addition or subtraction, uh, any counters, and then power and toughness switching. So all all of those all of those continuous effects uh, are you know basically when the ability that creates the continuous effect resolves, or if it's a static ability on a on a permanent when that permanent enters the battlefield, these things boom kick in immediately. Okay, right away, and so you can you can actually have a lot of these continuous effects, and a new one comes in and starts applying immediately, and you got to figure out okay how does this combine with all the other continuous effects and. So what we do is we we have this this system called the layer system where we have those um, those layers that 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 broken went over and we we start to apply them in in order. But first, we're going to start with uh, uh, when we have continuous effects in the same layer, how to handle that. So when we have when we have two text changing effects or two color changing effects or two copy effects, what all does that mean? All right. So, uh, when we're in the same layer, um, what, what's what's the rule? How do we tell when I have when I have two two continuous effects of the same type? Uh, that, that's it's actually very straightforward. Uh, whenever an object enters the battlefield or becomes attached to another object, uh, it gets something called a timestamp. Um, and <clears throat> if two objects uh, or two continuous effects uh, are trying to interact in the same layer, you apply them in timestamp order. 
uh, with with some exceptions, we'll get into eventually. But mm-hmm. right now, just you apply them in timestamp order. Yeah, there's there's a little asterisk next to you apply them to t- in timestamp order, but keep listening. So so what um, does that what does that mean? Timestamps is that like uh you know some sort of like uh, if ticket- you think about it. Uh, actually, so I, I like to uh, I like to refer to morphs when we talk about timestamps. And I don't know, I know it may not seem like it's very well connected, but when morph creatures are on the battlefield, you have to keep track of what order they entered the battlefield so that, you know, if your opponent gets to look at one for some reason or something happens, I know that this is morph one, this is morph two, this is morph three. When you have effects that resolve or, or are affecting something, that works exactly the same way. This is effect one. This is effect two. This is effect three. And they get those stamps when they when they are beginning to apply or when they're resolving or entering the battlefield or or whatever the case may be. And actually, we have a, a series of criteria for when something gets that timestamp. Uh, does if, somebody want to go through the list? I definitely want to go through this list because I was reading through the list and being like, this one's relevant. This one's relevant. This one's what is this? And and so I, I am very excited to go through this list. So um, a the, 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 the first and I think the most like word dense but very common one is uh, any continuous effect generated by a static ability will have the same timestamp as the object the ability is on or the t- same timestamp as the effect that created the ability. So that's a lot of words, but basically if there's a continuous effect that was generated by a static ability. So, uh, so like crusade, crusade is that from from last right. from last episode we talked about crusade. Uh, crusade gives all white creatures plus one plus one. It's a great uh, great enchantment when it enters the battlefield. Uh, its timestamp is when it enters the battlefield. Boom. Yep. Um, so if it if there was a continuous effect that was generated by the resolution of a spell or ability, it receives a timestamp at the time it's created. That also makes sense. Um, any like, object will go ahead. I was going to say like giant growth. Okay. It gives a creature plus three plus three. When that spell resolves, that's the timestamp of that plus three plus three. Yep. Um, uh, this, this phrase, the next phrase, I, 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 I copied it almost verbatim from the rules because the phrasing of it made me laugh. Uh, an object receives a timestamp when it enters a zone. Like that is the most vague thing. Um, I don't know. So any, any object will receive a timestamp when it enters a zone, regardless of the object or the zone. So um, uh, that, I, I, I think I understand why it's kind of vague because aren't there, there's like emblems that give uh continue that grant continuous effects and such. Mm, yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and it leaves, it leaves space. This might already exist, but if it doesn't, it leaves space for, uh, commanders to have continuous effects while they're in the command zone. It leaves space for things in exile to have continuous effects uh, that would that would apply. Um, it, it's it's just a very like unspecific word choice that yeah. that it makes a lot of intuitive sense, but it's it sounds very silly. Like I could imagine something like um, let's say that they bring suspend back someday. Um, um, I could imagine something where a spell says, as long as this is suspended, your creatures get plus one, plus one. That's cute. That is some cute design yeah. space for sure. Yes. They'll um, bring suspend back when the last uh, uh, counter comes off it. 
Yeah, it's it, <laughs> it's they did like suspend twelve or something like that, and it's it's just or just waiting. Just We're waiting. just waiting right. for those counters right. to come off. But when the last one comes off, it'll have it'll it'll have haste. Um, so it'll just come in out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah, it'll it'll just be a surprise. Um, the problem is that Watsi keeps mi- missing the trigger on this one. Oh, oh no. All right, so more timestamps. <laughs> um, uh, an aura equipment or fortification ooh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, receives a timestamp. Look at you, be- Darksteel Garrison. <laughs> when yes. it becomes attached <laughs> As opposed to, to an what? object. What? Or Sorry, player. we interrupted you. I apologize. No, we'll never know when those things receive a timestamp, y'all. Oh, no. <laughs> no, they, they receive a timestamp when they become attached to an object or player. Um, a uh, a permanent, when it is turned face up or down, will receive a timestamp then. Uh, a double face card that is transformed will receive a timestamp then. When it is transformed, I... <laughs> now we're starting to get to the fun ones. Um, plane cards phenomenons and schemes receive a timestamp when they are turned face up. Oh. Uh, a, a face up Vanguard uh, will get a uh, timestamp at the beginning of the game. Oh. <laughs> and uh, a conspiracy also gets one at the beginning of the game. And if it, if it was face down, it will get one when it is turned face up. Uh, <laughs> so those are, those are, <laughs> the 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 ones at the tail end I just think are so funny. Like we have to have a rule for this, but here they are. It's like ah, Vanguard. Eh. Although right. that does that that is kind of interesting because like with Karn and resetting the game and putting permanence uh, on, on the battlefield, you know they they would get a timestamp at the beginning of the game also because they're entering. Oh yeah, yeah. Look at that. Uh, fancy, fancy. If there are. Um, if there are two or more objects that are receiving a timestamp uh, at the same time, for example, you have like a bunch of things entering the battlefield at the same time, they're entering a zone simultaneously. Um, the active player at the time when that's happening uh, will determine their relative timestamp order. Um, note that this, that is the active player. It is not the controller of, of those objects. Um, I have, I have never seen this come up personally, uh, but I think it, I think it's an interesting distinction. And I was talking to somebody last night about what, like philosophically why that is. And I, I think mostly it, it, it makes sense because if I'm, I don't want to like have to, to sort of, uh, work with my opponent to try to, to figure out our relative timestamps to bargain with them about timestamps. You know, the, the way that this can happen is usually effects that uh, like Genesis wave kind of effects or warp world kind of effects that put a bunch of permanents onto the battlefield at the same time. If some of those have continuous effects in the same layer, they, that that's how they get the timestamp simultaneously. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so, so really it's commander. <laughs> eh. uh, I mean, Genesis wave sees play. Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> You're like, eh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the, the people who are really, really excited about this rule. They're commander players or, or, or the person at the, the, the person that plays kitchen table, uh, that, that one person that plays the kitchen table magic that just likes to play overly complicated decks. Uh, yep. Uh, there's always there's always at least one. Yeah. Uh, one one thing one thing I wanted to to touch on about timestamps and and equipment. Um, 
So, so equipment or the, the effects and abilities that equipments give creatures is set when the, when the creature, when the, when it becomes attached, when the uh, equipment becomes attached, if you re-equip the same creature that does not reset the timestamp, it's gotta, it's gotta go, it's gotta go from a state of being not attached to a state of attached in order to gain the timestamp. Um, yeah, that you can't just choose to target the same thing repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. If something comes right. along. So we, we've talked a lot about timestamps. Um, or can we, can we put this to some sort of practical application? Uh, I think, I think as a, as a very sort of basic, uh, example, uh, let's say, say Brian, what's your favorite creature? It's bear cub. <sighs> All right. Bear cub. Let's say Brian yeah. has a, has a bear cub, a very sad, lonely bear cub. Oh, was I supposed uh, to say the card that you had written down? No. Okay. Uh, good. I, I literally wanted to know your favorite creature, but oh. I guess we'll just always, it's always going to be bear cub. It is always obvious. It's obviously bear cub all the time, forever and ever. Uh, so Brian has a bear cub. I would like this bear cub. I cast mind control targeting what? his bear cub. It is. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, <laughs> I will gain control of Brian's bear cub. Congratulations me. Um, Brian no. would really like his bear cub back. <laughs> I would like my bear cub back. Thank you. Um, so he casts his own mind control. That's right. Targeting that same bear cub. That's right. Bear cub, Um, bear cub, theft protection, mind control. Dubs mind control. So now there are, there are two, uh, control changing effects applying to this bear cub, my mind control and Brian's mind control. Um, mine is trying to give me the bear cub and Brian is trying to give him the bear cub. Uh, Brian's mind control was cast the most recently. It has the most recent timestamp. So his, uh, he gets, he gets that bear cub. That's right. Enjoy. It's a good bear cub. Now, now that's to, to be clear here. And this is, this is going to become a little, a little clear in just a second. It's not my mind control wins per se. It's we go through and apply them in timestamp order. So Brogan, Brogan's mind control actually gives her control of my grizzly bear or would give her control of my grizzly bear. And then my mind control says, no, I get my bear cub back. Right. So they're, they're both trying to happen. Mine happens first and then yours happens after mine. So ultimately you end up with it. Right. Now that doesn't actually mean that the control changing effect actually happens. It doesn't mean like there's like a, a, a tiny, tiny millisecond in that, in that exchange. Right. It's not like it's being briefly swapped back and right. forth. Right. It is not a quantum bear cub. Oh, hmm. oh, oh no. We have a new, <laughs> we have a new, that's our mascot. It just jumps now. around from set to set, trying to solve mechanic problems. Right. The quant. Well, we, we did have many years ago with bestow. We had celestial bear cub. Now, now I think it was, it had bestow away. Um, bestow I, th- away. I think, I think quantum bear cub is needs to happen. I like quantum bear cub. We have, uh, any more examples we wanted to talk about here? Um, have we talked about uh, conditional effects with timestamps? Like if something says when a certain condition is true, this gets flying. So like, or, or that's as an example, like if, if you control three or more artifacts, this has flying. Um, what's the timestamp on that ability? Oh, uh, when it entered the battlefield, like if it has metalcraft. Yeah, if it's on a creature when it entered the battlefield, if something like that is on a uh, an equipment, it's when it uh, when it was attached. 
Now, I want to point this out because it's important and a lot of people mess this up. The timestamp is not when you got three artifacts. Right. It's not a matter of when the condition is met. Exactly. And that's that's specifically not in the list of things we just went through. That's not how those work. That's the the timestamp doesn't doesn't reset if the condition goes away and comes back. And that matters a lot later on when you're looking at like gaining and losing abilities in those kind of contexts. I hadn't even thought about that. That yeah, that's a that's a very, very, very good point. A fun example I try to talk about with some people, there's a creature that gains flying as long as it's equipped and an equipment that makes the equipped creature lose flying. Oh yeah, mage mage armor or something like that. Mage bane mage bane armor, yeah. Kitetail apprentice and mage bane armor are the two cards. And um because mage bane armor will always have the newer timestamp when it is attached, it gains flying and then loses flying in that order and it will not have flying. It's 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 going to end up not having flying because the the equip timestamp on that on that equipment is always going to be later than the thing yes. entering the battlefield. Yes. I, I'm sure now that I've said that, somebody will give me a weird situation where it somehow enters the battlefield attached to it uh, and you right. choose timestamp order. But generally speaking, yes, it's it's going to be a later <laughs> timestamp. Cool. That is a that's a good one. So so and this and this continues on with with uh, um, other effects that the the whole timestamp thing, like if you have if you have an effect that says, um, you know, all creatures are goblins. And then you have another effect that says all creatures are zombies. Okay, well, which is it? Is it going to be goblins or zombies? Well, you just look at whichever one has the later timestamp. Uh, you know, your your creature is a is an O one is a one creature. Uh, and then another thing that says your creature is a one one creature. Well, which is it? Whichever one has the later timestamp. Whatever mm-hmm. you know, it's going to become zero one and then one one. Uh, so it's it's pretty when it when it's in the same layer. Uh, and 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 they don't. And we'll talk spoilers. We'll talk a little bit later about these scary things called dependencies. But when there isn't a dependency, it's just whichever, you know, you just do do them in order and you're done. And I want to point out again, timestamps only apply to effects in the same layer. If you have effects in different layers, then you apply them in the layer order that uh, that we mentioned earlier uh, and that we talked about two episodes ago. Yeah, Um, that's actually that's. If we're ready to to move on past this, um, that's actually the next thing that we were going to talk about is the sort of the basics of if if continuous effects are applying in different layers, um, and it's and it is really roughly as simple as that. Um, effects will apply in order in in the order of the layers, and will each do their own thing in each of their own layers. So, so one of the things that I found uh, cra- crazy helpful. Um, to, to figuring this out is writing the layers down. Okay. Those, mm-hmm. those layers mm-hmm. that we, you know, copy control text type color abilities, um, right. Writing those down and then looking at the combination of cards and then just saying anything in the copy layer. No, Any- just running through right, them. Right. Anything in the control layer. No, anything in the text layer. Yeah. Here's something in the text layer. All right, let me write that down and apply that now, you know, text, uh, uh text type, you know, realistically, I think I think most of most of the business uh, uh, in this game happens in, in the layer system happens in either type changing effects or power and toughness changing effects. So that's that's uh, and gaining and losing abilities. Um, right. But yeah, that but that. Yeah, there's there there's more of a lot more of those than there is copying or controlling or text changing. Right. Or color changing. 
So, so really, when you have a bunch of cards together, just okay. What's what's the first? Is there is there any is there anything is there any you know characteristic power and toughness characteristic defining abilities? All right, there they are. There's my Tarmogoyf. Is there any power and toughness setting abilities? Okay, there's my there's my deep freeze. My deep freeze. So so some cards like there there are some cards that have a a bunch of effects uh, that you you figure you break it down into their individual layers. Like if there is a card that says. Um, you know, until end of turn, uh, target creature is a blue chupacabra um, <laughs> uh, that loses, you know, that loses a 1-1 one, one blue chupacabra that loses all abilities. Um, that's actually four layers. That's, you know, blue. The, that's the color. That's the color changing layer. It's the uh, type changing layer because it's coming up, becoming a chupacabra, um, a power and toughness layer because it's a one one and a abilities layer because it's losing all abilities so brian you just explained turn to chupacabra yes (laughs) (laughs) anyway well i guess chupacabra should be black right yeah okay you so so turn to chupacabra turn to chupacabra um so so you know let's that card really sucks goats it does (laughs) (laughs) awesome uh, sorry, Brian. What were you gonna say oh, no. before that? Before we had to bring up goat sucking. <laughs> Go on without me. I need to laugh about that a little bit more. <laughs> um, I I think I think what Brian was gonna talk about is um, if if you have a bit like if if there are if there's a card that is changing multiple things, um, and one effect what sort one effect would make some change something in a later layer like if it no longer fits the condition that made made it change it's still going to apply i know that sounds really weird but let me give you an example um let's say uh you have a, an ability that says all non-creature artifacts become two two artifact creatures until end of turn um so this is changing both the type and the power and toughness of the of your uh non-creature artifacts but you first you change the type in layer four uh, and they become creatures. Um, but suddenly they're no longer non-creature artifacts because you made them creatures and you say, but wait, hold on. These are, these are, I'm, I'm supposed to be only applying this to non-creature artifacts. Well, they're creatures now. Don't worry. You, you still continue to apply your, your other continuous effects and they're still going to be set to two, two. I know that seems kind of, obvious or else yeah. a lot of cards wouldn't work but it is an important distinction it's, to make it's also going to be relevant when we get to our coup de gras at the end it is yes so let's let's talk about let's let's talk about something that's a little a little complicated so i'm not going to use turn to chupacabra i'm going to use turn to frog okay which okay. is which is an actual <laughs> real card. card yeah it's a real magic <laughs> card as opposed to just one i want to be real but turn to chupacabra should be a real card. Right. For what we, it's worth. I think oh, we've established <laughs> that they're willing to use chupacabras. Uh, it, uh, uh, that sounds that sounds like a great clue altar waiting to happen, or, or <laughs> some other awesome yes yes altar. Okay, so so turn to frog says until end of turn, target creature loses all of its abilities and becomes a blue frog with base power and toughness one one with flavor text that says ribbit. Okay, uh, ribbit deep freeze. 
is a card from Dominaria. It's an enchantment that you uh, you might see this in your sealed uh, in your sealed pool. That says it's an enchant creature. Enchanted creature has base power and toughness of zero four. Has defender, loses all other abilities, and is a blue wall in addition to its other colors and types. All right. So let's say, and I'm I'm gonna suck it up and and use the card that just recommended of Cabal Evangel which is a a black 2-2 human cleric. So the let's say that Cabal Evangel is enchanted by Deep Freeze. Okay. Well what what is what is Cabal Evangel uh when when it's been deep frozen? Uh, uh it's it's a uh it's a 0-4 creature with defender and it's blue and a wall human cleric. <laughs> and it's yeah. black. Yeah. It's black. So it's a blue, blue, black human cleric wall. Uh, zero four <laughs> has defender. Okay. Now let's say I turn to frog my deep frozen cabal of angel. Okay. So let's let's go through this. Do we do we have any uh, deep? Uh, do we have any copy effects? No. Do we have any control effects? No. Text? No. Type? Yes. We have deep freeze. Is saying wall in addition to its other types and turn to frog is saying frog just plain <laughs> frog it says frog right now now this is where we look at at timestamps okay Orbit. because rivet yes because deep freeze is saying uh wall in addition to its other types turn to frog is saying frog so deep freeze is trying to so we apply deep freeze first and we get human cleric wall and then we applied turn to frog's ability to frog, which just says frog. <laughs> so now we have a frog. So now we have a frog. So we've done copy, control, text, type. Now we do ability. Uh, uh, sorry, text, text, type, color. Well, deep freeze is saying blue, blue in addition to its other colors. And turn to frog is just saying blue. So we apply deep freeze first. We get a blue black creature. And then turn to frog says blue. So we end up with blue. Um, thus far, we have a blue frog. Thus far, we have a blue frog. Um, so we've uh, we've done color. Now we do abilities. Deep Freeze is saying uh, Defender loses all other abilities. And Turn to Frog is saying loses all abilities. So again, timestamp. We don't have Defender. Um, then we have the power and toughness where Deep Freeze is saying 0-4. Turn to Frog is saying 1-1. One, one. Turn to Frog has the later timestamp. Turn to Frog wins. So what we're left with is a blue Cabal Evangel, 1-1, one, one, no abilities, creature frog. Ribbit. Ribbit. All right. So um, let's say we did that in the other order. So I uh, we turned to frog the Cabal Evangel, and then we deep froze it. We would go through those same layers, but we would be reversing the timestamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just to go through quickly, um, copy, control, text, nothing, type. Uh, we would turn it into a frog and then deep freeze would say a wall in addition to its other types. Well, its other type is frog. So now we have a frog wall. <laughs> okay. A frog wall. Right. So turn to turn to frog says it's blue. Deep freeze says blue in addition to its other colors. Okay. Well, it's just going to end up blue. So it's still blue. It's still blue. It's my blue frog wall. Um, Turn, I like it. Yeah, turn to frog is going to say loses all abilities, and then deep freeze is going to say defender and loses all other abilities. So we're going to end up with defender. Um, and then the power and toughness. Turn to frog says one one, and deep freeze says zero four. 
So what we're going to end up with is a zero four blue frog wall with defender. I like that one better than I like just the frog. <laughs> right. Frog wall. Yeah. Frog wall's quite good. Yes. With defender. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I like that one much better than I like just the frog because right. as, as, as a fan of Simic, you can't just have a frog. It needs to be some other thing. Right. Frog mutant, frog wall, um, frog chupacabra. Yeah. Bull. Speaking of uh, mixing things that shouldn't go together. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. You can. You, you, this reminds me of the card Arcane Flight uh, from Dominaria, which uh, can oh, give the- you this kind of interaction in Limited. Uh, and actually, this will come up relatively frequently because both Deep Freeze and Arcane Flight see play in, uh, in Limited. Uh, so if you have an arcane flight on a creature giving it plus one plus one and flying and then you deep freeze it, its base power and toughness becomes zero four. It gets plus one plus one. It gains flying, but then it loses flying. But you can do it the other way around, uh, in which case it will lose all of its abilities and then gain flying. So you'll have a, a one five de- uh, wall with defender and flying. Hmm. A, de- a wall with defender and flying. Yes, that seems good. I've got two questions, though. They're important. Uh, the first one is, uh, what do frogs eat for breakfast? Oh, I want to, I want to, I, there's got to be a punny answer to this. What do frogs uh, eat they, for breakfast? Yes. They, uh, they eat flied uh, eggs. Uh, oh, well, I was going to say honey smacks, because. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what kind of, what kind of uh, shoes do frogs wear? I don't know. Crooks. They wear open toed shoes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Open toed shoes. Oh, they couldn't work in a restaurant then. Oh no! Well, that's also because they refuse to wear hairnets. <laughs> <laughs> that's just b- bad, bad food safe training. Right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've we've talked basically about what happens most of the time when things are applying in the same layer and most of what happens when things apply in different layers. But now we're going to pop back to um, I, something, the little asterisk we put about uh, things applying in the same layer. Oh, an asterisk. Yes. Let's resolve that. Resolve the asterisk. Yes. Let's resolve the asterisk. <laughs> no, so, after, uh, after the asterisk resolves, I would like priority. You may have it. Yeah. <laughs> I was kidding. I don't actually have anything to say at the moment. I'm sorry. Oh, well, all right. So the next thing is dependencies, the big, bad boogeyman of the layer system. They really are. Um, Yeah. So we're we're, we're back to things in the same layer. Um, Sometimes there will be effects where uh, one will depend on another. Uh, uh, If the following things are true, uh, if they're applied in the same layer or sub layer um, and either Neither or both effects are generated by characteristic defining abilities uh, and uh, applying one effect would change the text or existence of the first effect, what it applies to or what it does to any of the things it applies to. So, so functionally, if we're trying to apply two effects and applying one first would modify how the other one would apply that the, that one is dependent on the other one. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Basically, you're looking at um, you're you're looking at to to try and kind of paraphrase this in, in words that that are uh, you know the, the the comprehensive rules has this long sentence and, and I knew you already paraphrased it, but like it's it's kind of if one effect changes 
what the first one does changes the set of objects it applies to or just makes it disappear entirely, you have a dependency. And they're in the same and they're in the same layer. Um, yeah. And uh, it's just those those three things. If you think you have a dependency and it doesn't do one of those three things, it's not a dependency. Uh, and, and I think people tend to forget about the having to be in the same layer bit. Yeah, they for do. some reason they do. And, um, you know, and- the, 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 the other thing is uh, dependencies happen all the time. We, we see them on a regular basis without even realizing it because dependencies make the game work intuitively the vast majority of the time. The only time you notice they're there is when they do something weird. Um, when it doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, as a great example of, of it making sense. Uh, if I, if I play mind control on, uh, on your creature, Okay. Mm-hmm. And you want it back. Uh, but for whatever reason, you can't, you can't enchant it. Uh, you, so you cast volition reigns on the mind control. If you were to apply these effects in timestamp order, you'd actually get an unintuitive result where, where I'm still controlling your creature. Uh, and, and if you don't think that's true, just sit down and write it out and figure out like, Oh, what, what are the effects applying here? And you'll, you'll end up with exactly that. There's a dependency here where the volition reigns that's enchanting the mind control changes who the you it applies to. You control this, who the you it applies to is. So it's changing what that effect does. That's a dependency. Um, and you don't think of that as a dependency because it's obvious. It's very clear what happens in this game state. Because it's just a matter of, yeah, of course, I'm going to take this thing back. Exactly. Yeah. I control the thing that's making it. It's clear that that I get it. Um, And it's in fact so clear. It's clear to a beginning player that that's how that should work. Um, And we don't think about the fact that it's a dependency because the vast majority of the time it's situations just like that where where ah, obviously it works that way. Right. And and so uh, I don't know if we explicitly said this. If if something is is if if it turns out that one ability is is one continuous effect is dependent on another. Um, the effect that is dependent uh, will wait until all the things it is dependent on to apply until it is applied. So the the the, the so, dependent thing will apply after the independent thing. Yeah, and there's a uh, th- there's a very classic example of this, right? Ooh, um, classic. It's classic. In fact, we still see it played in modern. Um, but uh, it's the one everybody talks about. It's it's Blood Moon and Urborg. Um, yep. And to be clear, it's the Urborg that makes everything a swamp, not the other Urborg. <laughs> not yeah. not the Urborg Tomb when they of Yogmoth. First strike. Yeah, what's that? Urborg Tomb of Yogmoth. Yeah, Ur- Urborg Tomb of Yogmoth, not Urborg. Right. Uh, yeah, because because that just makes a creature lose first strike or swamp walk. Yes, not or particularly. Swamp, that swamp walk is super important. Uh, well, I mean, if you've got Urborg Tomb of Yogmoth out, sure. Maybe. Uh, so with Blood Moon and Urborg, uh, Urborg uh, basically says all lands are swamps uh, in addition to their other types. Yep. Uh, Blood Moon cool. says all non-basic lands are mountains. Now, it doesn't say in cool. addition to their other types. It just says they're mountains. And Urborg is obviously a non-basic land. Now, we talked about in the, in the uh, two episodes ago uh, when we talked about continuous effects we said that if something becomes a basic land type it loses all of its other abilities so uh that means that if you apply blood moon's effect to urborg and make it a mountain it's going to lose the ability that makes everything a swamp and what that means is that it doesn't matter what order blood moon and urborg came into play 
because we have uh, because even though we have two effects on the same layer, the timestamp's not going to matter because Urborg's ability is said to be dependent on Blood Moon's ability because Blood Moon makes Urborg's ability not exist at all. So, for for example, like if if we tr- if we try to do this the other way, <clears throat> if if we apply if we apply Urborg first, um, if we mm-hmm. if we make every everything a swamp. Um, Blood Moon is still going to apply in the same way to the same set of objects that it would if Urborg were not there. Um, so let's try to apply it the other way. If we do that, then then blood then Ur- if if we apply Blood Moon first, then Urborg is going to lose its ability because it's now it's just a mountain. So because that one is because Urborg is dependent on Blood Moon, we're gonna mm. apply Blood Moon first. And we have some red mana. Yay. Red mana is the best mana. Disagree. What? Uh, how did Jess? What? I, gotta, I didn't disagree with you too. <laughs> what? <sighs> oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I will draft mono red every time in cube, but. Oh, uh, Jess, but, you're uh, that person. You're I the- am that. Per- I, <clears throat> I find mono red fun in cube, but, uh, you know, that, there are a couple of reasons for that, and that's because the red deck is basically the same deck in every cube, so I already know what I'm going to draft. Uh, uh, that's true. You don't have to worry about digging through archetypes. Exactly. Being like, oh, there are there enough things in this cube to support this birthing pod? I don't know. There are definitely enough things to support this goblin guide. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> me- meaning some number of mountains? So, yes, there, there are lightning bolts and, and similar effects. Uh, there, there are going to be shocks aplenty in this cube. Um Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, blue mana is probably probably best all around. I, I gotta Agreed. say, I love the blue mana. I, oh, the green very strong into the, into the green mana. Um, also agreed. Yeah. Uh, although my favorite my favorite guild is neither of those colors. Uh, I think those are the most powerful colors in Magic. What's your favorite guild? Boros. I didn't know that. Yeah, I I love Boros. I'm very Boros. I consider myself a, a Boros human being. Interesting. Huh. Today I learned something. Today I learned. <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's learn more things. Let's, what else do we have to learn about? All right. So let's let's talk about some maybe maybe some uh some not so obvious examples of dependencies. Or or maybe they are once you once you know what to look for. So this actually came up at, at the open. Uh or at, at the uh yeah, the open this past weekend. Um someone asked me, uh so the Non-active player had a Shalai Voice of Plenty, and uh, so Shalai Voice of Plenty has an ability that uh, it's a three-four flyer that says you planeswalkers you control and other creatures you control have hexproof. And the active player asks me, "Does a Merfolk Trickster turn off the hexproof?" And this and and reading it, so so Merfolk Trickster, the the relevant ability here is. When it enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls. In this particular case, they were looking at the Shalai. It loses all abilities until end of turn. So so what Jess was going back to is the the intuitive answer is yes, it's going it's going to turn off the the Shalai's ability that it's giving hexproof to, to all the other creatures. And you go, okay, well let's let's look at like the actual layers and and see what see what happens here. Um the if all you did was do timestamps, timestamp order, uh, Shalai's ability has the earlier timestamp. 
So you play your Merfolk trickster targeting, targeting Shalai, loses all abilities. Shalai would give all you planeswalkers you control and other creatures you control hexproof. And then Merfolk trickster's ability would cause Shalai to lose that ability. So the end result is no, it, it, it doesn't, uh, it's it still gives all the creatures hexproof, but Shalai doesn't have that ability anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not intuitive at all. But just like with Blood Moon, uh, the Merfolk Trickster's ability controls whether or not of Sh- uh, 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 Shalai's ability, or can affect whether or not Shalai's ability even applies or not, even exists. And they're both, you know, ability. They're both in the same layer. They're both gaining and removing abilities. That's the same layer. So since Merfolk Trickster can affect whether or not, you know, what objects Shalai's ability applies, um, there's a dependency there. And so we apply Merfolk Trickster's ability first. It wipes out Shalai's ability, and all of the non-active player's creatures uh, are going to lose uh, lose Hexproof. And the, and they're going to lose Hexproof. <laughs> and they're going to lose Hexproof, too. And that, it, yes. And, and all Planeswalkers, they control also, yeah. if they have any. I, I like that that leading into this episode, you happen to see one in the wild. Right. And it was kind of one of these things. It's like I saw it and I was like, oh, this is like the, the answer is, yeah, it works just like you think. But like under under the hood, it was like, oh, this is this is neat, because if it if it wasn't a dependency, then it'd be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> then it'd be dumb. Uh, this yes. is this is exactly what I was talking about, about it being kind of obvious when, when Bren brought this up before the show. Uh, he went, oh, yeah, you've got this card and this card and this, they interact in this way. And I, I was like, oh, there's no, the, it's not, yeah, that's the end, end result, but there's no dependency there. What are you talking about? And it took me a second to work through it and realize, oh, there is a dependency there. That's yeah, I, cool. I also had to ask ask my friends here to like to, to help me understand wh- wh- <clears throat> what exactly was happening there. So if this is the sort of thing that that doesn't, quite click for you and you have friends around you uh or anyone else you can talk to about it if you're not if you're not sure it's it's definitely worth going over with someone else why things apply in the order they do Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right so we got we got one more kind of neat neat thing that might help cement uh dependencies for you uh does anyone want to talk about uh quindy 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 Oh, this is this is one this is one that I actually uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they're like, oh, this is this is this is a thing. And I was like, oh, I feel like that 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 was worth adding. So Quende, Pride of Femoreth is a new card is a 2-2 with double strike that uh, also says creatures you control with first strike have double strike, Um, which is awesome. But first, you need to get something with first strike. Uh, So we have our good friend Archetype of Courage. Um, that said that among other things says creatures you control have first strike. So, um, if, if we look at how we, how these would interact with each other, they, they're both giving your creatures abilities and archetype of courage, um, gives things first strike. And I would be very sad if I gave things first strike and then they didn't also get double strike, but congratulations, they do because, uh, Let's, if we try to apply Quende first, uh, and I and all of my creatures do not, ha- all my other creatures don't have first strike. Uh, I just have my lonely Quende with double strike. Uh, if we apply Archetype first, uh, my creatures will get first strike. Then Quende will give them double strike. So that yeah. 
archetype changes the set of objects that Quende's ability will apply to. And I have some very exciting double strikey creatures. You'll, I, I, I like this. I like this a lot. Just the, just, you like just the two, the two cards, like side by side and the, like looking at them in the show notes with the, with the art and stuff like that. Just. Oh yeah. It looks really looks cool. Really cool. They look like they belong together. Yes. They like super, peanut super butter deal. and jelly. Uh, I could, I could argue that. Yeah. I could argue with peanut butter and jelly belonging together. <laughs> you could argue with that? Yeah. I, it's a very American food. I've, I've, I've talked to, to people outside of the U.S. about the concept of peanut butter and jelly. And like the general consensus is that, that it's, it sounds pretty gross in theory. It, it is a very American food. Well, I mean, peanut butter but, is a pretty American food, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, that's true. I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I kind of want to say, like, well, you know, like bad things about those other countries, but I don't know which ones they are. So I'm just going to kind of. <laughs> oh, boy. Why would you want to say? <laughs> All right. Well, because they're, they're. You don't they're, like the same bemoaning. food I like. Rawr. Is peanut butter. <laughs> he and really jelly? wants to defend peanut butter and jelly. I do. I. All right. Instead of being being heated about peanut butter and jelly. Uh, do you want to tell us about this very exciting, weird thing that you found? Yeah. So I was looking for cards and I stumbled on this interaction, which just made me laugh. All right. So the cards in question are <laughs> Magus of the Moon, which has an ability just like Blood Moon. It says non-basic lands or mountains. But Magus is a creature. Uh, can I call you Magus? Okay, cool. Thanks. Um, so Mag- Magus gets enchanted by imprisoned in the moon because obviously Magus it loves if, the moon it really loves the moon so imprisoned in the moon uh is a is an enchantment aura uh the relevantly uh, that says enchanted permanent is a colorless land with uh tap add colorless to your mana pool and it loses all other card types and abilities <laughs> okay so Okay, this is great. Uh, so, so we go we go through copy nothing, control uh, nothing, text nothing, type ah. We have two type changing effects. We have Magus of the Moon is saying all non basic lands are mountains. Imprisoned in the Moon is saying Magus of the Moon is a is a colorless land. All right. Yep. Um. Yeah. So so we have we have if we make. Magus of the Moon, a land that changes the set of objects that Magus of the Moon's ability applies to. Because it suddenly, because it applies to itself. Magus is suddenly a moon. Um, <laughs> he Magus is is the moon. So, so why don't you explain how? First of all, how it can apply to itself at all, given that it's supposed to lose abilities. Well, it's because this is a colorless land. Since normally when you change something, if you change something into a basic land type, a, a swamp, a mountain, whatever, um, it loses all of its text and just becomes, you know, it, it gains the ability like tap for red if it's a mountain or tap for green if it's a forest. But since it's changing it into a colorless land, it retains its abilities. Oh, no, I meant Imprisoned in the Moon specifically what? says that it loses abilities. So, so how does it? The Oh, the the reason oh, there is so, this so, does work. I just want you to clarify why, given that. Oh, it okay, says- okay. So so right now we're in the type layer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're so imprisoned in the moon is saying Magus of the Moon. I'm saying moon so many times. <laughs> I this is this is something I didn't foresee when I when I, I stumbled the moon. on this. Um, 
yes, moon. Ma- Imprison of the moon is a type changing effect. Wants to make Magus of the moon a land, a colorless land. Magus of the moon is non basic lands are mountains. Okay, so we apply Imprison of the moon's ability first, making Magus of the moon a colorless land. Now it doesn't actually in this particular section. It doesn't changing it into a land because it's a colorless land. It doesn't strip it of its ability. So it still has the ability, non-basic lands or mountains, to which it is now a non-basic land. So it becomes a mountain and then loses the ability because it's now a mountain. It now loses the ability that allowed it to become a mountain in the first place. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So now I have Magus of the Moon uh, land mountain um, that, that, can ta- that taps for red. Okay, then the rest of Imprisoned of the Moon happens and and uh, uh, removes the ability to tap for red and makes it tap for colorless. But that that right there, the fact that uh, you actually turn Magus of the Moon into a mountain, uh, uh, it was is kind of is kind of neat. That little area right in there is a dependency. So you end up with Magus of the Moon land mountain that taps for colorless mana. Now. This gets the opposite result of the example we used earlier with Shalai Voice of Plenty, and I'd like to talk about that for a second, because Shalai Voice of Plenty has a dependency, and uh, and it loses the ability, and it, and it waits to apply. And Mages of the Moon does not have that, because these effects are not in the same layer. And this is a perfect example of something that I think we need to talk about, which is if, an, if something's making another object lose abilities... But one of those abilities would apply in an earlier layer, and that's the abilities layer is layer six. So if it had an ability that would apply before that, it continues to apply, even if it's going to apply and affect things later on. That that ability will apply even if it's gone; it doesn't exist anymore. It, it that's kind of what's happening here, right? So yeah, so with Magus of the Moon, even though you imprisoned it in the Moon, uh, Magus is still going to be making other non-basic lands mountains as well. Right, exactly. So not not just not just Magus. It's it's going to be all all the non basic lands, including Magus, since he's since he's it's a moon now. Clearly now a moon. Well, I mean, he might be a space station. We don't know. <laughs> that that's that's not a moon. That's no moon. <laughs> right. I feel I feel like we like we we spend all this time making like very nice, clear, easy to to break down examples, and suddenly we're turning moons into moons. <laughs> My last girlfriend turned into the moon. Wow. Oh. I love that reference. Oh, Thank hey. You. Yeah. I, suddenly I, f- I felt like Captain America from the Avengers. It's like, I understood that reference. <laughs> right. All right. We have, we have turned, we have talked about the moon a bunch. What's next? Uh, th- so, okay. Technically, I think we should mention that there's such a thing as a dependency loop. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I. <laughs> they, they exist. They, it's a thing. They exist. I do have an example of one. If you want to talk about it, find me at an event sometime, or send us an email, and we will talk about it. I don't think we need to talk about it on the show because they are incredibly rare. I. Uh, is it I was, the same one from four years yes. ago. Yes. Okay. I, I was working on notes for this episode. And I was like, I'm trying to think of like anything that should be irrelevant. And I'm like, I, I cannot for the life of me think of an example. But yeah, dependency loops is just dependency loops exist. And they happen if there are sev- several effects that are dependent on each other. <clears throat> uh, in which case, 
they're you're just going to apply them in timestamp order. Uh, but yeah, like Jess said, it, we're, it it doesn't really happen in reality. Yeah, I mean, they, they it is possible to make work. it happen. And occasionally, it's going to come up. Um, but like, it's it's just it is super, possible. Yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't worry about it if you don't understand dependency loops. Uh, that's not a thing that's really going to hurt you ever in magic, even as a judge <laughs> ever. Yeah. I'm, I don't believe that I've ever had a situation that I've even looked at and wondered if it might be a dependency. Yeah. Loop. I've, I, I hadn't even begun to consider this. Uh, and a dependency loop, if it does come up is just where, where you have multiple effects that are dependent on each other. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, if, they, if that well, if that happens, you apply them in timestamp order. I don't think we need to talk much more about it because it's it's not going to come up. I, all right, awesome, quick and easy. There, I I are yeah. we are we ready for the the big scary boogeyman of of the layers questions? All right, I want to preface this before we get to this boogeyman. If I'm you're ready. teaching okay. somebody about layers, okay, whether it's in person or a judge conference presentation or anything, whatever it is, you don't need to bring these cards up to teach somebody about layers. We're going to talk about this because everybody wants to talk about it. And it's, you know, if we don't talk about it, people are going to get upset, but you don't need to bring these up to teach people layers. I'm just going to throw that out there. No, please don't. Yeah. I, I have never been, ah, yes, this is a good teaching moment. Whenever someone brings up either of these cards. Right. (laughs) Ah, so what what are these cards? My my friends here are humility and opalescence. Oh, those those are nice sounding pleasant cards. <laughs> don't they, don't they just sound very very friendly? Oh, they do. Humility humility sounds very very nice, and opalescence sounds shiny. How could, <laughs> how could this how could this possibly be a problem? <laughs> so humility is an enchantment that says, uh. Oh man, I, I'm looking at old cards. I don't know if they actually say what they say on the card. Oh no, y'all, do these cards actually say what they say on the card? Close enough. Uh, it's, it's it close says enough. like all all creatures all creatures lose all abilities and have a base power and toughness of one one. Yeah, so creatures lose all abilities and are one ones. Uh, Opalescence says. <laughs> Uh, oh. I, ha- I had the time to look up the text on Opalescence while oh. th- the real text on Opalescence while I was talking. Uh, Opalescence is another enchantment that says each other non-aura enchantment is a creature in addition to its other types and has base power and toughness. Has Sorry, has base power and base toughness, each equal to its converted mana cost. Those are our good friends. Cool. Cool. So so the question is, if I have both of these out in play... What's humil? What what does humility do? Because obviously, <laughs> it's becoming a creature, but it's causing all creatures to lose all abilities. What's what 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 do? What do I do? What do I do? And really, the answer is just take take it slow, bit by bit. Okay, um, you know, copy nothing, control nothing, text nothing, type. Ah, we have opalescence is making all enchantments uh creatures. Cool. Okay, so humility is be going to become a creature. Okay, so copy, control, text, type, uh, color. Nothing's doing color. Uh, now we look at and we say, okay, humility comes around and says, 
Um, each each creature loses all abilities. Um, and humility is a creature. Yep. So is humility going? Humility is going to lose the ability uh, that causes it to lose abilities. <laughs> Whoa. My head is spinning. Whoa, mind blown there, right? Okay. Now now remember we had a rule about a half an hour ago we we talked about that said if you start to apply an ability, okay, and something causes it to lose that ability, it's going to continue to apply anyway. So the fact that humility actually lost the ability to make it lose abilities doesn't matter to to figuring out what this stuff is. Okay, we're going to keep going. We're going to pretend that it's, you know, the end result is not going to have the ability, but we still need to use that ability to figure out what everything is. Okay, so we've done copy, control, text, type, uh, color. There was nothing abilities. Now we do power and toughness. Okay, Um, the power, power and toughness. We've got humility saying I'm a one one and opalescence saying uh, it's power and toughness is equal to the converted mana cost. So humility is saying one one. Opalescence is saying humility is a four four. What do you what do you do? Is this is this the we've got we've got two effects in the same layer? Um They're not de- they're not dependent. Just timestamps. You just timestamps, right? They're not dependent on each other. So all you do is use timestamps. So so was it opale was it humility and then opalescence or opalescence and then humility? And so basically it's last last one wins in this in this particular instance. If it was opalescence, then humility. Humility is going to make it a one one. If it was humility, then opalescence. Opalescence is going to make it a four four. So, yep. That's and it. that's it. I'm and I'm 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 not going to say I'm not going to say this is never ever going to come up because the minute I say that it's going to come up and and it it came up at at the GP in Seattle and I was like, of course this is this is. The best timing for this. So I got a I got a good good picture of this person playing uh playing humility and opalescence that I can post on our Facebook page. That's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> it definitely of an actual human being playing these cards in a GP. It definitely will come up, and especially in in Commander and and some other places. But you know, it's not going to be common, and uh, and this is not where you start learning <laughs> something. This is. This is hard to work yeah. through. You need practice uh, working through it before you get to this point, you know. Yeah. Additionally, it, it's a little hard to read. It's a little it's a little dense, but there is a a, a legit a, a breakdown of this in the in the uh, card notes uh, for each of these cards. So if you if you gather search for for either of these cards, it it has a nice little breakdown there for you to read. That again is a little rules dense. But but will but will help a lot if you if you need it in an emergency. Um, there is something fun so, uh, uh, about having these two on the field that's new. Uh, I was talking on Facebook to some people, um, <laughs> and Min Vu, uh, another judge that I know, um, posted online about what happens if you have sagas uh, in play while you have humility and opalescence out. Um, and at first I was like, I don't think it works this way. And, and I, I just missed the rule that says it does. This is interesting. If you have a saga, because the chapters are uh, – the chapter symbol is actually a keyword ability according to the rules. Uh, it loses all of those in this case, right? It doesn't have any chapters. Um, okay. 
And there's a rule that says if, if a saga somehow doesn't have any chapters, that its highest chapter number is zero. That means that immediately, no matter how many counters are on your saga, it has counters that are equal to or greater than its highest chapter number, which is zero. And it just gets sacrificed immediately. That's so, so weird. Huh. But that's something that will probably come up in EDH. It- Oh, I'm sure it will. In Commander. I'm sorry. We don't call it EDH anymore. We can call it EDH. We call it EDH in, in our hearts. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's so, so bizarre. Um, so go ahead, Brian. I, I did. I did want to mention. So this is this is a, a teaching tool. And we might we might have mentioned this in the last time we did this this episode. Um, but uh, Aaron Fortino and Michael Fortino uh, and George Fitzgerald uh, were some judges uh, that created a really cool learning device for the layers. Uh, they called it a, a layer deck. Now it wasn't a, it wasn't a traditional deck of car deck of magic cards that you could play a game with, but it was subdivided into three piles. And one of the piles was, you know, creatures. Uh, and then some of them had continuous effects. And then another pile was artifacts and enchantments, basically, you know, that, that, that did make changes to continuous effect. And then another pile was instance and sorceries that did the, that, that changed this stuff. And what you would do is you would just flip over cards from the, 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 the creature pile, you know, you'd maybe flip over a creature card and then you'd flip over a card from the continuous, you know, the, the enchantment pile. And you'd flip over a card from the, the sorcery pile. And you would just ask, what are the characteristics of all the permanents on the battlefield now? And then you'd figure it all out and then maybe you'd flip over another card and you say, okay, well, how are they different now? How are they different now? And it really forced you to, to sit down and go through the, go through the layers and make sure that you weren't missing anything because it was all over the map. It had, you know, all, all seven layers and all the subtype layers for, for, for seven for the power and toughness changing stuff. Um, And it really did a good job and made kind of a fun way since it was just constantly okay what card's coming next how's it gonna change things and you'd flip it over and you're like oh it's a death lace my you know my creature's black now uh how does that how does that change things does that alter things um you know it's like oh well there's a there's a blood moon so yeah now my or not a blood moon a a a, a cursed moon what's the bad moon card that gives all black creatures bad moon thank you I got moon on the brain, right? <laughs> lots of moons. Yes, lots of moons. Uh, and so it was It was kind of cool to just see things evolve and how adding a new card could actually make you have to go back and reevaluate uh, other layers and it could change later uh, later effects. It's a really cool tool. Uh, and if you are someone that is interested in teaching people the layers – it's kind of a fun little mini game. It's a kind of a gamification of the layer system. So it did a great job teaching people. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. That's very, very cool. I vaguely recall an article about something similar to that. I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, I think George Fitzgerald wrote it. So that is super awesome. Yeah. So that's all I got to say about that, yo. <laughs> all right. That was an acceptable use of yo. Oh, OK, good. Thank you. All right. Well. You, and does anybody have any parting thoughts before we leave the topic of layers behind? Uh, no, I, I feel like I don't think we're going to leave them behind forever, but I think we're going to sit them back on the bookshelf for a, for a little while. But yeah, no, feeling good. 
Okay. Well, um, I just want to say that uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode, Judge Cast number 199, um, and let them know that, that you can contact us and uh, uh, ask us questions about any of this or, or ask us questions about anything else or just tell us your fun stories at judgecast at gmail.com uh, on Facebook. Uh, you could follow JudgeCast at facebook.com slash judgecast on twitter you can follow us uh at twitter.com slash judgecast and of course you can find our entire archive of episodes uh including a learn to judge section which this episode will be included in uh at our website at judgecast.com um and one thing we don't mention every once in a while but uh or mention very often uh is that you can actually find a, a hyperlink, a quick link to the uh, the rules at judgecast.com slash docs, D-O-C-S. Somebody reminded me of, of that this weekend, and the, I use it all the time. Uh, and it's an easy way to find rules documents and policy documents. Um, I'd just like to say that uh, I'm glad everybody listened. I'm glad both of my hosts uh, were here to help me through this episode. And I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. I'm Brogan King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep sitting on my frog wall eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. How very American. <laughs> <laughs>